Last month, we uh, began introducing our new theme for uh, 2024, and it's the theme of I Am. And our goal this year is to better come to understand who the great I Am is, better understand who Jesus is, so that we can better understand who, who we are and better understand who we are to become because we're to be more and more like God. That's, that's our aim, to be more like Him. And so we started that last month, and in particular last month, we looked into the fact that God is a provider or a giver. And God gives to us on so many occasions. He, he gives and gives and gives again. And then we, we looked also at Jesus giving his life. He's also a giver. And then we looked at a couple lessons for ourselves. Are we givers? Are we being like our Father? Are we being like our Savior in that we give? And that was all of last month, looking at the topic of, of giving. This month, we want to look at love. It is February, and so uh, Valentine's Day is right around the corner, probably thinking about love during this time of year. So we thought it was appropriate to, to talk about that, that more uh, this month in, in February. And this morning, we want to look at the fact that God is love. 1 John chapter 4 Verses 7 and 8, John says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. We're going to come back to this passage, but what I want to point to is this, this is a, a scriptural thing that God is love. It's literally who he is. It's his very nature, love. Everything that emanates from him is love love it's who he is it's not merely something that he just says I love you or feels it's who he is his very nature is love and again we're gonna come back to this but where I think we really need to start is asking the question what is love what is love you may be thinking about uh, song lyrics in your head right now or some other examples of what love is but it's kind of something hard for us to to define. I, I'm, I'd be willing to guess that if we went around the room and just had everybody write down a definition of love, that we would have d several different definitions. Probably no two would be the exact same. I ran across an illustration uh, by a preacher several years ago uh, about love, and he was, he was using Helen Keller. And many of you know Helen Keller was, uh, lost her sight and hearing before the age of two. And definitely a, a very difficult situation. But her life was, was changed when she met uh, a teacher by the name of Ann Sullivan. Around age seven, I believe, is when she, she met her. And Ann Sullivan would teach her uh, a lot of words. And how she would do this, was, at least one way, was to spell words into her hand. And Helen recalls one of the first meetings she had with Miss Ann, that uh, she put a doll into her hand, let Helen feel that, and then wrote into her hand, D-O-L-L. -L. And that's how she learned uh, a lot of words. Well, one day, uh, Miss Ann spelt into Helen's hand, love, L-O-V-E. And perplexed, Helen said, what is love? And basically, uh, Helen had been experiencing love the entire time from, from Miss Sullivan. But she didn't know what it was. And, and uh, this man that uh, had this illustration basically said that, you know, as much as we sense being loved or feel the need to be loved, it's hard for us to define what that is. What is 
love. I think one of the, the reasons why we get mixed up on this is because in English, we just use one word, love, in many different senses. You know, we could say something like, uh, I love my uh, car. But at the same time, we can turn around and say, I love my children or I love my spouse. Right? We, we obviously mean something different. At least uh, we should mean something different when we say, you know, we love an object and we love somebody else. But, but we're using the same word, but it's used in different senses. So that can maybe muddle up what we mean when we say love. But I also think really probably the, the, the thing we get mixed up most is the messages that we get from movies and television and uh, other forms of media. We get this message, at least what I have seen a lot, is that love is this warm, fuzzy feeling inside. It's that feeling you've never felt before. Dad used to say something like, it's a feeling you feel you're feeling when you feel a feeling you've never felt before. I don't know, I might have butchered that, but I think you understand. People say, oh, love is that feeling. I've got these butterflies in my stomach. That's what love is. I've never felt this before, so it must be love. Let me tell you, that's not what true love is. Love absolutely involves our feelings and emotions, but love is much more than just a feeling. It's more than just the the warm, fuzzy feeling inside or the butterflies in our stomach. In the Greek, there are actually several different words for love. In fact, I found a couple resources that said there were up to eight different words for love. You may know some of these like phileo, uh, the brotherly affection, the the love between very close friends. Uh, You may know storge, the love between family members like a father for his children. Eros, the romantic side of love, but the love we really want to focus on this morning, the love that is the description of God right here in this passage, God is love, that word's agape. And I know you've probably heard that before. The word agape, that's the highest form of love, sacrificial love, unconditional love, the love that God is, that he has for us, is agape love. And so when we think about this word agape, Love is much more than just a feeling. Folks, love is an action. It's something that is done. It seeks the highest good for someone else. I had a, uh, the privilege of, when I was working at University Church in Montgomery, to take our kids to Challenge Youth Conference in uh, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, CYC for short, and thousands of Christians would gather. I think almost close to 15,000 Christians would, would gather together for a weekend of worship. It was a great weekend. Well, one year they had a theme of in need, and Kyle Butt from Apologetics Press spoke on in need of love, and he gave a definition of love that I I thought was just perfect, a a biblical definition of love, and what he says, we may be having some technical difficulties here, but what, what he says is this, love is doing what is spiritually best for another person, regardless of the cost, whether they deserve it or not. I'm going to say that one more time so because I really want this to sink in. True love is doing what is spiritually best for another person, regardless of the cost, whether they deserve it or not. And that is exemplified in God. And, and he pointed to some passages. So look at uh, 1 John chapter 4. We, we started there just a second ago. But let's read 1 John 4 verses 7 through 11, and we'll talk about this definition of love a, a little bit more. 1 John chapter 4, starting in in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. 
And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. John is, is trying to press his readers into loving one another more. And if you're familiar with John's writings, you know, John, this is something that he focuses on. Think about John chapter 13 when Jesus washes the disciples' feet. I think John's the only one who records Jesus' words about loving one another, doing what I have done to you. I've washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. And he gives this new commandment to love one another as I have loved you. John writes about that in John 13. And here he, he, he knows the importance of love. He was with Jesus during his ministry and, and saw Jesus' emphasis on love as well. And he, he knows how important it is. And he's saying, you've got to love one another. It's so very important. And his primary reason for saying that is because love is from God and that's who he is. And if we do not love, John says, then you don't really know God. He who does not love does not know God because that's who God is. We can say that we're a follower of Christ or a follower of God, but if we do not have love, then we really don't know God because that's who he is. But then he gives an example of how God has shown us his love. And it's the, the greatest display of love that there ever has been or ever will be is the fact that God sent his only begotten son to be the propitiation for our sins. When you see the word propitiation, you think about, think about the word appeasement or, or atonement, that, that Jesus appeased the wrath of God on the cross, that he was the atonement for our sins, that perfect substitute that we needed. God, God's love is most clearly shown in the fact that he gave his son for you and for me to die on that cruel cross for you and for me. There's no greater love that's ever been shown. John says this in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The Greek could actually be rendered, and I think some translations render it this way, for God loved the world in this way that he gave his only son. In other words, this is how God has shown his love. This is how God loves us, by giving his only begotten son and that if we believe in him, we don't have to perish. We have eternal life. That's how God's love is most clearly seen, is in the giving of his one and only precious son. Now think about that definition, that true love is doing what is spiritually best for another person, regardless of the cost, whether they deserve it or not. There it is here on the screen. I've broken it down in, into different pieces here. Let's think about what we just talked about, those passages in 1 John and John chapter 3. Think about that definition here. Did, is God sending Jesus for us? Is that in our best spiritual interest? To ask is to answer, absolutely, it's in our best interest spiritually. Folks, without Jesus Christ, we would perish. We are lost in our sins. There's no way for us to be saved, to have eternal life. God did what was spiritually best for us by giving his son. There's no other way that we can be saved. 
Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No one can go to the Father except through him. He's the only way. And so it was absolutely what was spiritually best for us, for him to give his son. And then you consider the cost. God didn't say, you know what, I, I can't give my son. I'll give anything else but not my son. That's just, that's just too much. No. There, were, there was no price too high. He gave the greatest price. He paid the greatest price. Gave the greatest sacrifice in giving his son. And then you think about the third part, whether they deserve it or not. Do we deserve to have Jesus die for us? Do we deserve to have the forgiveness of sins? Is this something that God owes us to, to, to forgive us, to give us Jesus? No. Folks, Romans chapter 6, 23, verse 6, verse 23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. What we deserve is really to be punished for our sins. But God doesn't give us that. God gave us his son so that we can have eternal life, so that we could be forgiven. So yes, God did what was spiritually best for us by giving the greatest, by paying the greatest price, even though we did not deserve it. And folks, that, that is true love, that God gave his one and only son for you and for me. Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 5 verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us or toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Notice the action word there again, demonstrates his own love for us. He didn't just say it. He didn't just have this feeling. He showed it clearly. I love you and here's how. I'm giving you my son. Even though you sin against me, even though you rebel against me, I'm still giving you my son. That is love, folks. Doing what is spiritually best for another person, regardless of the cost, whether they deserve it or not. And that's what God has done for you and for me in giving us his son, Jesus Christ. There's no greater act of love that has ever been shown. And here's the thing. If Jesus was the only thing that God had ever given us, it'd be way more than enough. If Jesus was the only thing God gave us, it would be more than enough for us to know how much he loves us, how much he cares about us. But the truth is that God continues to give and give and give again. And that's what we talked about last month. And that's an expression of his love that he gives to us over and over again. Sticking in the book of Romans, Paul says this in verses, uh, chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Folks, God has already given us the greatest gift. He's paid the ultimate price. Will he not give us the lesser things as well? Is he not going to take care of his children too? He's already given us, Jesus, the, the greatest gift there's ever been given. How much more is he going to give us the, the, the lesser things? How much more is he going to take care of us? I'm reminded of Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus says, don't worry about your life, what you will wear or what you will eat, because God's going to take care of you. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. God's going to take care of his children. Now think about 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3, that God's divine power has given us everything for life and godliness. God has given us everything that we need for this life. He's given us his son, but he gives us 
everything else we need for this life. Because God is love. And he's a giver, as we talked about last month. Now, to close out here, I want to point to two characteristics of God's love and draw some application from it. We could really talk about God's love for an eternity because it is so great. But I just want to point to, to two things this, this morning and then we'll, we'll be through. Number one, God's love is inescapable. God's love is inescapable. Paul says this in, in Romans chapter 8, verses 37 to 39. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing, folks, can separate you from God's love. That's what I mean by God's love is inescapable. There's nothing we could do that will make God stop loving us. We just says, I, I can't love that person anymore. No. He loves us no matter what. Nothing can separate us from his love. Now, I want to be careful and, and point out, does that mean God always approves of our choices? Absolutely not. God does not always approve of our, our choices and the things that, that we do. And that's what some people say. Love is acceptance. You just accept everybody for what they do, what they believe. But that's not what true love is. Again, true love is doing what is spiritually best for someone regardless of the cost, whether they deserve it or not. God does not always agree with our choices, but he still loves us. Even when we make terrible decisions, he still loves us. He's still waiting on us to come back. Think about the prodigal son. Luke chapter 15. The, the son wants his inheritance from, it, from his father, and he runs off, and he, he wastes it in riotous living and, and wasteful living. But he, something snaps for him. He comes to his senses and he runs back home. And who's waiting there for him? It's the father, representative of God. And what does he do? Oh, he, he showers him with love, gives him the sandals and the coat and everything and, and throws a party for him. He, God's always waiting for us to come back. He's always loving us. No matter what we do, no matter where we turn, he still loves us. Does not mean that he approves of our choices all the time but he still loves us. And I think this is important because some people, I think, get caught in this idea that I'm too far gone for God to love me. I've done too many bad things for God to love me or for me, for me to ever find God's love. And folks, God's love is right there for every single one of us. We can't escape it. He loves us no matter what. Of course, again, doesn't mean he approves of all of our choices, but he's waiting for us to turn back, to repent and follow him again. He loves us no matter what happens in this life. And he wants us to be in a close relationship with him. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Secondly, God's love is immeasurable. God's love is immeasurable. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 and 19 Paul gives this prayer uh, for the Ephesians. He says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness 
of God. Really looking at the, the second half of this where Paul is praying that these Ephesians would better understand the height and depth and breadth of the love of God. But notice what he says, that it surpasses knowledge. Folks, we cannot even fully grasp how much God loves us. We can grow in our understanding of God's love, absolutely. But it surpasses our knowledge to even understand how much God loves us. Folks, I'm sure all of us have been, been, been loved before, felt loved before. But there is no love like the love of God. There is no deeper love, greater love than the love of God. And when we enter into a relationship with him, it is the greatest love that we will ever experience. There's no words, really, to entail all of God's love. It is immeasurable. It is higher than, than the mountains, higher than the, the, the skies, the heavens. It is greater than we can possibly imagine the love of God for his children, for you and for me. I think about the song, How Deep the Father's Love. One of my favorite songs here, we sing it sometimes. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss the father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death, and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know, this I know with all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. How deep the Father's love for us to give us his one and only Son and to continue to give to us over and over and over again. Folks, there's no way to even measure how much God loves us. So I want to ask, how does that make you feel? That the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the King of kings loves you. He loves you, is invested in you, and wants what's spiritually best for you. And he showed that by giving his one and only son. Nothing can separate you from his love. Folks, there's no greater love that's ever been shown than by God giving us his son. And our response in return is to love him back. We love because he first loved us. 1 John 4, verse 19. And we'll talk more about that here in the coming weeks. This morning, maybe you feel, maybe you feel like you've, you've somehow outrun God's love. That you've done so many things wrong that, that you feel like you're too far gone. Folks, I have to tell you, you're not. You can turn back and you can come back into a relationship with the Lord. He loves you. He wants you to be in a relationship with him. Maybe you've never experienced the Father's love. There's no better time than right now to give your life to him. It is the greatest decision you will ever make. There's no greater love. That's who God is. And if you have any need this morning, please come forward as we stand and as we sing.